Hello, knife wielding bar pay. No, uh, see, I already stuttered. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was gonna happen. I was like, as soon as I. Hi. <laughs> Hello, knife-wielding bar patrons, and welcome to Jump Cuts, a podcast about movies. My name is Charlie, and I'm joined by my co-host, Spark. Hello. And Will. Hello. None of us have any qualifications at all to be doing this. We don't have any film industry experience. We just like movies and shooting the shit about them with our friends. This week, we watched the 1989 cult action hit Roadhouse, a movie about how the bourgeoisie oppressed the working class of small southern towns until the working class rises up, invades their homes, and shoots them in the chest repeatedly. So, uh, what did everyone think of Roadhouse? Uh, I, I love this movie. It's, despite how much is wrong with it, uh, I was... I was expecting like a so bad it's good thing. I think that was like kind of the goal when we suggested this movie, but uh, it ended up being unironically uh, very enjoyable. <laughs> it actually was so much better than I thought it was going to be. Like that, the action was good. The music was really good. Sam Elliott in the eighties really hot. Uh, that was the main draw, yeah. really. Like. Patrick Swayze ripped the dude's throat out. I mean, that was pretty cool. <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, it's, you can't really ask for more in a film, I feel like. Yeah, I was, uh, I was fully expecting this to just be a laughably bad movie, like we've watched in the past, but it was extremely entertaining. I mean, it was nonstop action from beginning to end. I mean, even in the first, what, five minutes of the movie, it kicks off with scenes that don't make much sense, but are a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I feel, I feel like I need to make it clear that this movie makes no goddamn sense at all. Like, it is completely insane, but, like, the insane world that it builds, I think, is, like, really cool. Its entire philosophy really is kind of self-contradictory, but I guess we'll get to that. Uh, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves already, and we want to give the uh, the listeners a quick plot synopsis, Will. Uh, sure, this will not be quick. Uh <laughs> <laughs> So we start off the movie with a good old-fashioned bar scene um, in which we see a man with a bolo tie uh, run into uh, our main character, uh, Patrick Swayze. Uh, I think his name is Dalton, right? I'm really yes. bad with names in yeah. movies. That's going to be an issue for the like entire podcast. The whole scene, like we, we get like the incredibly horny vibes of this movie, like right off the bat. Um, it is like, you know, it is still, it was made in like 89, right? But we're still like very much like 80s action yeah. movie. Like, uh, you know, the, the only role of women in this movie is to be objectified. And that's pretty much what's going on right off the bat. It's a very but, specific type of horny 80s action movie, right? Where it's like, they all are just about sweaty, shirtless, muscular guys beating each other up or like shooting bad guys. And that's just that's already its own thing but this one is trying really hard to be like listen it's not all about the sweaty action hero men right there's lots of titties it, <laughs> and like at the same time it's like we'll get into it but you can tell that thinks that it's like a little bit better than like the other action movies because exactly. like our guy is smart mm-hmm. like, and you can tell that he's smart and cool and collected when he gets stabbed 
in a bar fight almost immediately and feels nothing like no reaction it looked like it almost like they messed up a take and like he was supposed to like act like he was really stabbed but he just like he got stabbed with the fake knife and just stares him down i think the quote is pain don't hurt yeah, I was about to say. Uh, oh god but, um so at first I thought he was like an undercover bouncer, like a guy with like no, he didn't have like the uniform of the other bouncers, but apparently he's a cooler, which is a word that I learned uh, when I looked up stuff about this movie, uh, where he's like lead bar, uh, or sorry, lead bouncer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like he like sort of like directs the other bouncers and like handles like trickier situations. Um, anyway, I got this guy named Frank Tillman with the bolo tie is trying to recruit him for a bar that he just uh, inherited or bought um, that is in disarray. And uh, it's up to Dalton or Patrick Swayze to uh, come in and be the uh, best cooler he can be and fix up the bar. Um, Apparently he's like very well known as like, (laughs) like countrywide, like this is the best cooler bouncer in existence like i I really liked how there was like some sort of like i don't know like national ranking or like reputation (laughs) that like a bartender would have yes as as soon as he walks in the door at uh tillman's bar and you know he introduces himself to the first person as dalton everybody in the room is like telling stories about him and knows all about him and his like past and history and you know you're in the middle of what small town missouri yeah. Have you guys ever heard of a bouncer? Have you ever heard a bouncer's <laughs> name? <laughs> I have not. No. It's kind of like, a John Wick vibe, right? Where, like, John Wick, there's the whole underground network of assassins or whatever, and they all know each other. But this is, like, bouncers. So it's even stupider. It is, yeah. He's the John Wick of bouncers, I think. <laughs> That's, yeah. That's very correct. He, just, he has his pirate gold. He has, you know, all the... <laughs> Yeah, he never loses, like, yeah. Um, anyway, he, uh, oh yeah, and I wrote this in my notes, but it felt like he was recruiting an Avenger. <laughs> like, <laughs> it felt like, I, I, I don't really love uh, a lot of, like, the Marvel movies, but um, I do know that, like, it's a very common scene where, like, they have to go recruit someone, right? Like, they have to get the, the, this superhero who doesn't really want to do it uh, like on their side and it felt exactly like that uh <laughs> it's like they're trying to pull him back in even though he's already working at a bar uh and it took like no effort but really influential uh, on the modern action film roadhouse if somebody gets in your face and calls you a cocksucker i want you to be nice okay ask him to walk be nice if he won't walk walk him but be nice if you can't walk him, one of the others will help you, and you'll both be nice. <laughs> I want you to remember that it's a job. It's nothing personal. Uh-huh. And called a cocksucker and personal? No. It's two nouns combined to elicit a prescribed response. <laughs> I wonder if somebody calls my mama a whore. <laughs> Is she? 
I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. <clears throat> okay, you know, you know the line in John Wick where he's like, he's the guy you hired to kill the boogeyman, right? Yeah. So Dalton is, he's the guy you hired to throw the boogeyman out of the bar. <laughs> <laughs> he's the guy you hired to scold the boogeyman. <laughs> be nice yeah. to the yeah, boogeyman. He, he has to he be nice to the boogeyman. Yeah. Be nice to the boogeyman until it's time to not be nice. Until it's time to break somebody's yeah. nose on a table. Anyway, he takes the job and uh, gives his car away to like a random guy. And um, he, that guy should not take the car. Like, that is not. If someone gives you the keys to like a beater car, that like, that has been used for illicit purposes <laughs> and you should not take the vehicle. <laughs> like, really bad idea. Um, although we actually find out why he has a beater car later. Because uh, we get we get to see him get in like his uh, cool, but like honestly not too cool Mercedes. Like it was kind of reserved, but you know, like you can tell like that's where he's put all his money in. But you have to think though like, for his, the 80s having like, you know, being a bouncer and then owning a nice Mercedes with like leather interior and a tape deck in there as well clearly shows that like he does have like a good bit of money for just being a bouncer, it seems. He's he's doing well. Yeah. And, like, that might be because he has no hobbies. <laughs> like, he has, what is he spending money on outside of fixing his like cars and like a hundred dollars a month for rent. Yeah, I guess it's 1989, but, so he doesn't have crushing student debt from his NYU philosophy degree yet. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, he paid. He, maybe he paid his way through college, uh, beating the shit out of people in bars. There we go. All right, origin story yeah. solidified. So the bar that he's been uh, hired to take care of is called the Double Deuce. Incredible name. Um, and to give to paint a picture of what this bar is like if you haven't seen the film uh the band has to play behind a cage uh due to the sheer violent energy coming out of this bar um the previous bar that we saw had a stabbing within the first two minutes of us seeing it and it looked it looks like heaven compared to the double deuce like the double deuce is like on some mad max shit it is uh a wild wild place to be uh there are like the bouncers are just like seemingly like seemingly like starting fights just like they're just part of the crowd it it very much reminds me of like a bar you would see have you ever watched the show bar rescue where they go into like all these cities they find a rundown bar and like they try to build it back up and make it you know, amazing and bring in patrons. And it very much reminds me of like that kind of vibe. You know, he walks in the door of just this disaster of a bar where people are throwing bottles at the band that's behind a cage, you know, fights are starting all over the place and the bouncers don't care. And he is now the, I can't remember the host of bar rescue, but he's basically Dalton is this person coming in here to now make this bar, I guess, pristine. Yeah, he was the inspiration for Bar Rescue. This is the... <laughs> All right, next time we'll marathon the relevant reality TV show before we watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, we'll watch, of course. So, uh, and we can tell when uh, Dalton gets there that uh, the 
current like staff especially like the oldest uh bouncer maybe like the current cooler kind of hard to tell uh doesn't like him like at all um so then uh next scene we have dalton uh buying uh, another beater car which is like weird that he gave away i guess he couldn't drive both cars <laughs> to the new like town he was moving to so he opted to just give the one away and then buy a new one <laughs> which is an insane thing to do um other than like i feel like there's got to be a better way to just move two vehicles other than selling one <laughs> but it's true um, I mean, that Mercedes has to have some horsepower, right? I don't think it has a tow hitch, but... Could could tow it. I guess maybe it it was so so cheap and so bad it, like, wasn't worth moving. But, uh, anyway, he goes on to uh, look for an apartment, and he goes to, like, a farm uh, where, like, sort of a crotchety old farmer uh, shows him... One of the most beautiful rooms I've ever seen in my life. It's actually gorgeous. For being above a barn, like not even closed in above a barn, it is open air directly above the stables of the barn. And it's gorgeous. Yeah, like this, even just the square footage of this place is easily double my apartment. Like it is (laughs) enormous. It is like... Uh, like gorgeous, like gorgeous furniture. It looks like it might be like handmade. Uh, it's like, like a truly nice, incredible. There's a nice brick fireplace. You know, which in a wooden barn seems like a terrible fire hazard, but <laughs> you know, it, it looks also like nice. a aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> Maybe it's a load bearing fireplace. Good. I don't know. Yeah, and we will we will encounter the fireplace again later. Uh, <laughs> yes, that we is will. Um, but. Uh, yeah, and we get to we get our introduction to like our villain here, uh, where he looks across like a, a river or lake, um, and sees uh, the mansion of uh, Brad Westley, who is uh, immediately like you know he's the villain, like he's an asshole right from the bat, uh, and uh, in, in like kind of classic uh, like eighties like not even just action movies, but like like comedies would do this of just like having like like it's a small town like the richest guy in the town is like the bad guy uh which like i honestly feel like we've regressed from that in like more modern movies because yeah like they've identified like the real bad guy in society right exactly that i wrote that note down repeatedly i was like they've got one thing right in this movie and it's that rich people are the real enemy it's not the the you know dirty bikers that are starting bar fights. It's the rich guy who is blowing up people's places of work. Yes, <laughs> the rich guy who is an actual terrorist <laughs> <laughs> and is running like a small white trash mob out of the city. Yeah, for like what appears to be like it's like how much money can there really be in this town? We so we find out that. Uh, the I guess the catch for the apartment that he's renting for a uh, hundred dollars is that there's no cable or AC, uh, which would I guess be the deal breaker because you're in like Missouri in the summer with no AC. That sounds like a nightmare. Um, but yeah, no cable or internet. I fuck that. I couldn't survive. Right? Yeah, like, that sounds terrible. Yeah, not worth it. Um, but uh, 
Oh, also the scene, there's a scene where they're like hilariously critical of the church. Oh uh, my god. Oh yeah, about the Presbyterians. <laughs> it was, it was, he was talking about the rent. He said like, it's not for the money, but if I don't, you know, if I don't ask for something, like the people at the church will speak ill of, or the Presbyterians will speak ill of me. And it was about like, yeah, money, yeah, like, money. Is this a reputation? Is this a reputation that Presbyterians have? I, I don't know, but I mean, they, it's not just the church. I mean, he specifically says Presbyterians. <laughs> yeah, I don't know enough about denominational <laughs> politics to really judge on that. I just know that Catholic services are way too long. That, that's all I got for you. Yeah. Like, are Presbyterians, like, very, like, pro-landlord? Is that, like, their... <laughs> is that their thing? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, they love their property rights. I mean, know. it is uh, 1989. We're you know fresh off of Reagan, early Bush, like peak waspy Protestant work ethic bootstraps. That's true. Bullshit. That might so, have literally been integrated into their like religion at that point. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So we go back to the bar, uh, and we get like our uh, first bar fight that uh, Dalton is a part of. Uh, it, at the double deuce and we find out that dalton is uh some sort of ninja like martial arts master like disarming someone with one hand and like slamming their head and he loves the head slam into tables he's big into that big fan uh, of the knee kick he, too knee kick yeah the knee kick is like it's like a, it's like their special move like it it they like call back to it yeah, they make a reference early on where he, he kicks a guy in the knee and then he tells somebody, yeah, you kick a man in the knee, doesn't matter how big he is, he's going to go down real quick, which reminds me of something else, we, but I'll come back to that. Anyways, he kicks like six more people in the knee throughout the course of the movie. It's a really the, strangely specific martial arts technique to call back to that many times. The Especially when there's surgeon. a way cooler one with the, the throat rip, but, you know, we'll get to that later. <laughs> I was going to say, the orthopedic surgeon in this part of the world has just got to be making bank off of all these shattered kneecaps coming out of this town in Missouri. Getting a lot of work. Which also, the, the, the whole, you know, toppling the Goliath aspect of this reminds me of something very important we forgot to mention, which is that the first thing that the, uh, the bar owner guy says to him is, I thought you'd be bigger. And then like three more oh, people yeah. say the same thing to Dalton throughout the movie, and it's really weird. Everyone thinks he should be bigger. They want a bigger Patrick Swayze. Right. Which, like, and he's who fine. doesn't want a, a slightly larger Patrick Swayze in their life? Like, he's 5'11". He's not that tall, but that man is yoked. Like, nobody is looking at yeah, Patrick he's not. Swayze and thinking he's small. Like, it's nonsensical. Yeah, but, like, he's the best bartender. Uh, the best bouncer, you know? It's true. Like, the bouncer, the internationally known, <laughs> best in the world, top of his class bouncer. You know, you'd think he'd be bigger. Um, so then he fires three people. Uh, not a man of the working class. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I know we've been praising, uh, like, this movie's politics, but here's where it really goes down the drain, right? Where mm-hmm. He just immediately is firing people. These bouncers needed a union, uh, and this is, like, what happens, <laughs> you know? Yeah, obviously, like, the people that he fired are, uh, like, mad at him, but, you know, people were, like, apparently, like, dealing, like, drugs out of the bar, stealing tips or whatever, um, 
and but Dalton has secured control of the bar. You know, he's 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 in control. Uh, then uh, we see Dalton uh, go to bed in his apartment. Uh, there's a party being thrown over at uh, the rich guy's house. We get to see him uh, being rich and happy, uh, so that we hate him more. It's another good socio-political commentary, too, because basically what they're doing is just the same thing that was happening at the Double Deuce, just without the fights. It's a, it's a nice little observation that, you know, there are different rules for the rich people than for the working class. Yeah, if, you, if, if you don't have a lot of money, you have to fight people. That is what, exactly. that's what they're saying. Your only you option is violence. And it, one um, thing I found interesting about that scene, and just I, I might be getting ahead of myself a little bit, but with Brad Wesley and everything, is they do everything they can to prove just how rich he is. Like your first interaction with him is him in a private helicopter, and now your second interaction with him is him throwing a party with nothing but like you know pretty topless women, and he's carrying a bottle of Don Perignon champagne and just spilling it carelessly everywhere. It's basically having a modern Gatsby party. It's very it's actually yeah it's like almost you know they're like looking at it from across yeah (laughs) is swayze is like the green light or whatever oh my god (laughs) dude the doctor elizabeth is the green light she's literally his daisy okay this is just a great gatsby oh my god i'll just cut it holy dude you've cracked this movie wide open okay wow (laughs) she's yeah okay man the, okay, so Roadhouse, Great Gatsby remake. We so we find out <laughs> that uh, Dalton sleeps naked. We we get a we get a nice shot of Dalton from behind uh, when his uh, coworker brings him breakfast. Mm-hmm. She, she's like, I mean, clearly making a move because every woman in this movie is like into Dalton. That's just yeah. like kind of the rules. It's again um, that very specific type of eighties horny where it's like. There's so much focus on these sweaty, muscular men, but it's trying to throw, like, the women and the monster trucks in your face. It's very much compensating for what it actually is. It's like it's like they're just saying, like, no homo every time they show, like, a woman <laughs> into him, right? They're very much be like, you know, like, look at how, like, what a beautiful specimen Swayze is. But, like... You know, I'm not like into him or anything. I'm disrespecting. <laughs> you know, that's a nice thing about the you know the the modern action movies after this era is they're allowed to just be super homoerotic and not have to apologize for it through again titties and monster trucks, uh, just the most obvious possible way to do it. <laughs> Ever seen a better pair of attitudes? Fine, ain't they? Tell you what, for twenty bucks. Are you kidding? We find out that he's like getting protection money from everyone in the town next, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, because we meet uh, the guy at like the auto shop named Red, uh, which I, I think might be like the best side character name. I feel like I've seen a million movies with a guy named Red. It's like a side character. I don't know why. <laughs> Always a good, but... wise old side character name. Works in Shawshank, works in that 70s show. After all that extra flavor, uh, we get uh, Swayze doing like some sort of like mindful workout. He's wet, he's shirtless, and he's moving kind of slowly, but like very steadily in the field. And the 
<laughs> the farmers looking on in awe <laughs> and what's going on. Very confused. It reminds me of uh, Sunshine from Remember the Titans when he's like outside mm-hmm. at the school doing his like Tai Chi or whatever. And all the girls are like over the window looking at him. <laughs> yeah, it's very much that. So the girls are replaced with like a creepy old farmer. <laughs> I feel like there was a stretch in the 80s where basically every action hero except for Schwarzenegger was a Eastern martial artist in all of their movies for some reason. Mm. There's always some kind of like Tai Chi or Kung Fu element built in there. And true. And the only reason that like Schwarzenegger wasn't I think is because he was so big, it was, like, believable that he could just, like, punch through someone. Exactly. You know? <laughs> I'm not sure like, if that era Schwarzenegger had the flexibility either. He was a very taut human being. That's true. They probably asked him, and then he was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention uh, that among the people that Dalton fired, one of them was, like, a bartender that was, uh, like, pocketing money. Um. And uh, he gave, like, a vague warning when uh, Dalton fired him, like, are you sure you want to do this? And Dalton was like, yeah, of course I want to do this. You're, like, stealing from our bar. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then we find out that the fired bartender is the uh, nephew, I think, of the uh, rich Mm -hmm. guy. So uh, he is using this leverage of his uncle being the richest guy in town to work at the worst bar (laughs) in the entire state. Uh, and uh, because he has a like rich uncle, he's um, pocketing the money from like it, his motivation makes no sense. But anyway, he's used all this leverage to get back his shitty job, and um, he has in this scene essentially won. Right, like the mm-hmm. owner of the bar is saying, like, uh, yeah, okay, I get it. Like, I don't want to piss off the rich guy because uh, he's in control of like my supply chain. Like I can't, like, he'll make it so I can't get liquor if I piss him off. So uh, I'm going to let you have your job back. I don't care if you're, like, stealing, right? Like, Dalton has just already lost, uh, but the fired bartender pulls out a combat knife and threatens him for no discernible reason other than just, like, wanting to get back at him for almost firing him. Uh, And then, of course, uh, Dalton... uh, tactically disarms him after falling through a window and uh i guess like wins the fight fights off the goons not for getting cut like, the rich guy correct or um yeah he gets like he gets sliced on his side exactly painful injuries are a great way to meet hot blonde doctors when he goes to the hospital we get like our meet cute of the movie uh, where he meets, uh, I'm just gonna call her Doc. I think they her name call is like her Doc, right? Uh, yeah, but honestly, they say her name like three times the whole movie. They call her Doc a lot more. Yeah, so he meets Doc. Uh, she uh, fixes him up, but uh, <laughs> she offers him pain meds, and he's like, "I don't need these pills." <laughs> it's funny too because he winces when she puts one of the staples in, and like that's the first time he's had any kind of pain reaction the whole movie. He has been stabbed multiple times nothing says i don't need pain meds literally winces on the staple i'm like what what is the point of that direction literally choice? gives himself know. stitches like in the back room of the first bar he's working in at the start of the movie but can't stand the first staple 
Yeah, and she, like, lists, like, his medical records. He's been, like, shot multiple times, stabs. He has, like, screws, like, holding him together and stuff. Like, it's, like, he's apparently, like, <laughs> barely being kept together. Uh, just made, Also, he, like, carries his, like, medical records around with him. <laughs> just in case he gets stabbed, which, like, like, given the world we're presented with. And I guess they also say his college, it turns out for some reason yeah he went to <laughs> yeah that doesn't make it that's not a medical condition going to nyu <laughs> yeah but he got like a philosophy degree right yes uh, so uh he she asked him like how he ended up bartending and he's like i guess i just got lucky he has so many one-liners uh he has two in the scene he's like i guess i just got lucky with like the bartending job and then he he has one, maybe my favorite line, or one of my favorite lines in the movie, of nobody ever wins a fight. Uh, it's <laughs> really, like, I love how it cuts straight from that to like the, you know, the the dramatic music and then him asking the doctor out. Just, just straight from, oh God, it's so corny. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, <laughs> I have no, because like, as, like, Patrick Swayze is, like, he's definitely cool in the movie. I can't argue that. Mm-hmm. But he would be a real bummer to hang out with. Like, <laughs> he would. I can't imagine, like, what she sees in this guy <laughs> that would be, like, fun to spend time with. Because he, he's, like, just blowing people off. Like, won't even, like, initiate a conversation with people, like, in the whole movie. Right? Yeah. Like, he's just, like, a brooding, <laughs> beautiful <laughs> idiot. Like, that's just completely stone He's very really... dull. Yeah, it makes no sense. Uh, so then, Dalton calls uh, his good friend uh, Sam Elliott, who I first recognized as the cowboy from The Big Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very shocking moment for him to pop up. Uh, I think his name's Wade, um, and they just kind of chat. Like I don't really know why he's calling him other than just like catch up. I guess uh, he like uh, uh, Wade has like the most beautiful head of hair I've ever seen on, like, an old guy. He's really, like, kind of a goal for me. Like, if I could look like Sam Elliott in this movie when I'm, like, at that age, I would feel very blessed. Because uh, he, he is, he just, I don't know, the, the sexuality coming off of this man is really something. He's incredibly majestic. Uh, so we get to see the, the double deuce again, and there's a lot of progress that's been going on. Uh, the cages come down, uh, and the band gets to like play in relative safety. You know, there's no like bottles flying at their heads or whatever. Um, at the uh, we didn't bring this up earlier, uh, but the uh, like blind uh, like uh, blues singer that is like somehow best friends with Dalton, like they have history because like I feel like a part of being like an action star in the uh, like 80s like the main character in an 80s movie is that everyone knows you uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you just know everyone and like the your primary like like most of what you do is just like meeting up with old pals like that is your life (laughs) which like honestly sounds pretty nice uh so uh, we finally have the uh, doctor lady 
show up at the double deuce uh and if i'm gonna be honest i thought she was a new character in this <laughs> i compl- i thought she was just another white woman that was in to dalton like an old flame or something mm-hmm. uh because like their chemistry was so like people that like used to date but like somehow things like you know like he moved away or whatever that like it made my brain couldn't make the jump to like this is a woman he just met the other day and now they're acting well, like one this thing on that other, that yeah. i i kind of I, I i made a note of this the the double deuces renovations seem to happen like overnight it's you have the scene where he calls wade garrett and then the next scene, the double That's deuce true. is like super nice. So, I mean, they could have been seeing each other for like a period of time or this town can magically build up a brand new bar in the course of 24 hours, both of which seem possible in this world. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure true, what the yeah. timeline of this movie is because they don't really do anything to give you a hint at what the passage of time is. But yeah, the, the bar, bar is, is really significantly the only... overhaul. <laughs> Yeah, like very. It, it looks nice. It looks kind of corny, but like, I don't know. The previous, compared to what it used to look like, mm-hmm. it's you know a lot better. It goes from like roadside biker southern, bar. you know, biker bar to like roadside southern honky talk real quick. Uh, which I mean, those are both equally <laughs> bad depending on how you feel about country music, but yeah, <laughs> it's fine. They at least keep the soundtrack nice and like blues rocky in this. Shouts out Jimmy Iovine. But hold on, how did they how did they get to Wesley's house? Uh, They cut to show some of the like minions there, right? No, what they come to the bar and Wesley invites uh, Wesley invites Patrick Swayze to the house to offer him like a job in his organization of crime or whatever. And then he turns it down. But one of the things that Patrick Sway Dalton sees walking into the house is the other blonde lady who like, I, does she have a name? I have no idea, but she's got a big bruise on her face. Cause I guess either Wesley or the, uh, earring guy, Jimmy, it is implied that they hit her. Yeah. Cause she hits on yeah, Patrick Sway. She at hits the bar. on him. And then the next time he sees she her, hits on him there. at the bar and then Jimmy comes and takes her out of the bar. And that's when the like four minions with the knife in the boot come into the bar. Patrick Swayze and like a couple of the other bouncers beat the hell out of them. And then Doc shows up at the bar because then we get the clip of Wesley like scolding that's his right. minions for failing. Gotcha. You're right. Yeah, I totally. I guess it. I must have just blacked out. <laughs> he like breaks yeah, the guy's knee. Like, 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 he bends his it. leg the wrong way, and he's still walking just fine. The next scene. <laughs> yeah, that fight ruled too. Like he like he basically threw nice. away his whole like idea of like yeah. So if we haven't covered it, Dalton's uh, rules of engagement, I guess, are like be always be nice until. <laughs> You have to not be nice, the... <laughs> which is meaningless essentially in this movie. Because as soon as the person, as soon as these guys walk in, he like sees his knife boot, and is like, "Well, the time to be nice is over. I don't want to get knife booted." Uh, and then they drag them outside and beat him up, uh, which uh, to like, I guess yeah. it impresses Doc. I don't know, <laughs> but I like the scene. It's kind of like. Our scene when like the all the bouncers are like 
they've got it, you know, like they're like working as a unit, you know, like everything's working out. Like the double deuce is like on the up and up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's like our turning point for them. As Charlie was saying, like they, uh, he goes to like Wesley's house. We find out that, uh, the, uh, blonde woman who's been hanging out with him is like being abused. And, uh, he asked Dalton to, like work for him, like how much money he could spend to work for him. And also, uh, brings up Dalton's checkered past, uh, which, uh, apparently he's killed a man and like, we don't know the specifics of it. Like there's uh, throughout the whole movie, there's a lot of like rumors about Dalton, including like he ripped a man's throat out with his bare hands. Uh, like he's never lost a fight. Like I heard he killed a guy back in Tennessee. Uh, but here we kind of get it like confirmed that he has killed someone um, and that uh, Wesley, uh, like while he's like his enemy right now, because he's like Dalton has like fired his uh, like nephew and like, I don't know, like he doesn't like that the like Dalton is like interfering with like his racket of like kind of extorting. He's also... Wesley apparently has some level of affection towards Elizabeth, the doctor, mm. uh, and is upset that the uh, stronger, larger male is with her. Yeah, he's really mad about that. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's into Elizabeth uh, for whatever reason. And that's like, that seems like the main issue, right? It very uh, much, I think, is. Yeah. Again, all of this... Uh, you know, this racket that Wesley is running, I think, is really just him trying to manifest his unsatisfied sexual domination complex. I think that's what most sure. rich people are really doing. It's just they, they can't get enough uh, in their private life, so they take to dominating the working class. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it's all about. Um, but no, you don't understand. He's giving this town the gift yeah. of a JCPenney. <laughs> <laughs> this town like, it's all worth it. He's doing this for JC. <laughs> I forgot that. He was like, I've given this town everything. We're going to get a JC. He like really soon. harps on the fact I that he's know. like this town's lord and savior. He's like, there was nothing here before I got here. It's pretty beautiful. Especially since like he is like, even before the JC Penny, like there really is no indication that the town is improved at all. Like it's just a, it's a terrible place to be. Like mm-hmm. there's no, positives i'm seeing yeah i mean all we ever see of the town is like the bar red store dealership wesley's mansion and the uh the barn yeah the car dealership and then like two other bars slash restaurants that he goes on dates with elizabeth to um slash the one that they go to with sam elliott but we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that yeah. <laughs> um so because of all of uh, Dalton's meddling, uh, Wesley has stopped uh, the flow of booze into the double deuce. Um, he is apparently like their supplier uh, and <laughs> naturally like pissing him off and firing his nephew was, yeah, it turns out a really bad call. Uh, and uh, while uh, like they're trying to deal with this, like somehow uh, Dalton like secures like a shipment of booze uh, to keep the double deuce running. 
but the uh, goons from uh, like the rich guy come in and try to like smash all the bottles and uh, actually end up beating up Dalton for the first time. This is the first time seeing him lose because he tries to fight three guys at once. Uh, but luckily he is uh, saved by uh, Sam Elliott uh, showing up. The friend, he's clearly like a mentor to him. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he used to be like the best cooler and now he's just like an old, very good cooler. I think cooler. the first mention we get of him is at the very start when Dalton's trying to be recruited and Tillman says like, I want the best cooler. And he says, well, you'd want Wade Garrett then. It's like the first time we ever hear his name, but then we don't hear about him again until mm-hmm. like this point uh, in the movie. You know, the legendary <laughs> cooler, Wade Garrett. <laughs> everyone knows him um i do i like that they differentiate his fighting style too it's more like old school street fightery than uh dalton's you know kind of uh kung fu type thing kind of he, he's a lot yeah. more drunken master you know yes, <laughs> like, exactly you, you, you see wade like drinking a lot more than dalton dalton i think you only see drinking like once or twice in the whole movie like he's That's very true, sober yeah. he's drinking coffee uh, when he's like at work, meanwhile, like uh, Wade is like having a beer while he's uh, like beating up patrons of the strip club he works at. Right? Yeah. Um, this honestly, so, I feel like the the movie really picks up from here when this kind of third act starts to kick in. For sure. Yeah. Like things, like the intensity starts escalating from here. Uh, like the stakes kind of rise to like a really surprisingly high pitch we, we get the context behind like why dalton killed a man <laughs> and oh, how he yes. did it right um or actually no i don't do we get a confirmation that it was a throat rip the first kill i i don't think did? they like confirm that i think the confirmation is supposed to be when he does it again later yeah, yeah. Uh, um so anyway after um wade uh doc and dalton all like they have like just like a night out together and like wade uh is like kind of weirdly horny for doc but like we don't like they try to play it off as like kind of fun but it just feels terrible the whole time it's very upsetting and um then when doc like goes to the bathroom or something and uh wade finally has dalton alone uh like dalton talks about how he he can't be with Doc because he's killed a man uh, and she doesn't know like his like checkered past and uh, Wade tries to comfort him uh, by saying like, oh, you had to kill him. Like you didn't know that uh, that woman was married and like if a man sticking a gun in your face, like it's either like you or him, you know, and you made the right decision. Uh, so which like, I mean, that's kind of true. <laughs> like, I don't know. So. He's not wrong. Uh, He's not very comforting to Dalton. Yeah. It really, it carries through the whole uh, sexual undertone of all the violence even more. And I promise I'm not just like making this up because I want to make everything (laughs) sexual. Like literally the, the, the last guy, or I guess the only guy he killed is the guy whose wife he was sleeping with. And then uh, the big bad guy, of the movie is Wesley, who of course is attracted to the doctor that Dalton is dating. So for some reason, terrible things keep happening 
to the women that Dalton dates. Uh, and I can't imagine yeah, what the, the common denominator <laughs> is there that's causing this. But Yeah, it's uh, all of the murders in this movie, yeah, they pretty much all center around like someone's like sexual jealousy, mm-hmm. right? Like that's where it's really coming from. Which again plays uh, into the whole like waspy 80s Reagan vibe of like, if you have sex, terrible things will happen to someone. Maybe not you, but someone. Oh yeah, so... Uh, I think we skipped over this too, but um, the the reason he buys uh, beater cars is because it's actually pretty smart that uh, people that he throws out of the bar will like find his car and smash it so he could buy his, like the cheapest car possible so it doesn't cost him any money when they smash it. I feel like he could maybe try to like find an apartment near work and like walk to work. That might be better, mm-hmm. um, but maybe there's not. There's probably not like a lot of housing in this like small town like Missouri, you know. So, a lot um, of sprawl in Jasper, right? Yeah. Uh, so like that kind of explains that, and like every time he leaves the bar, there's like a stop sign through it, or like you know tires slashed. Like he just drives around with like four spare tires in his trunk. Uh, really cool detail. Um, but anyway, we have. Possibly because we wanted to put it out of our memory, completely skipped over the sex scene between uh, Dalton and Doc. <laughs> Dalton like is like pushing Doc up against this like cobblestone like fireplace, and it looks like very painful. <laughs> like I can't imagine. I feel like anyone would be like listen, can we just, like, go to the bed? Like, this isn't working. There's a flat wooden wall right over there. If we want to do this, then let's just use that, please. And she also has, like, a white lace-back top on that when she comes off the wall is perfectly intact because of movie magic. But, like, that thing would be ruined by that wall. But the the thing about The whole scene starts... Sorry, go ahead, Bart. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, with the, the... kind of backing her up into the wall like there's real the cinematography in this movie is just standard there's really no like big panning shots or anything you maybe have one or two like when dalton first meets with wesley you have the panning shot while he's having breakfast but this is the first time that the camera work actually made me feel something and it wasn't a good feeling the way the camera follows Dalton and Doc through the barn. It almost feels like she's trying to get out of the situation and he's just, like, cornering her up against the wall. It's a very, like, predator-prey type of shot, right? It's like we're watching, like, Planet Earth or some shit. <laughs> it's just... It's, it's like... For, for, like, a very, like... Like, like kind of horny, like, sexed-up movie, like, this is, like, the least sexy thing in the film. Like, yeah. it's really, like... You get nothing, <laughs> nothing but pain from this scene. Even once they start like making out and like dry humping too, she just looks like she doesn't want to be there. It's really, it's really unpleasant. Yeah. I didn't like it at all. It's not well done. Uh, kind of a low point in the movie. It really uh, is, <laughs> right? Like that. That's when we get like our Gatsby like green light scene, right? Where like Wesley like looks across the river, make it on like, the roof, sees them like out on like the roof, like having sex again. Uh, and, like, that's when he, like, really kind of goes into, like, that's when he is radicalized. He becomes, <laughs> like, 
he's like, I need to burn down everything this man loves or anyone he's just like talked to, right? Other than the bar he worked at, he doesn't actually mess with the bar much. Well, then, yeah, this is what leads into the like liquor showing up to the bar and all the goons smashing it. And then Wade Garrett comes in and saves the day. Yeah. And then, so after we get the reveal of uh, that Dalton has killed someone, uh, we get uh, Red's, like, auto shop uh, is on fire. And, like, very on fire. <laughs> like, it is exploding. Um, seemingly because uh, Red is, like, friends with Dalton and uh, Red wasn't paying the protection money. Plus, he had the audacity to let his daughter date somebody who was niece. not the rich man. Yeah, her, her. Oh, niece. I thought Red isn't the no, doctor. Her parents are dead. dead. Like she just mentions it offhand one time that like after her parents died, like Red took her in and helped take care of her. See, this is how like two dimensional <laughs> and objectified that character is. That I just I remember absolutely nothing about her other than she's a doctor. And was the, you know, uh, what, what is the, what's the Kate, Kate Gatsby, Grace Gatsby woman's name? Daisy. She's the Daisy of this film. I feel like even, like, Daisy, like, <laughs> had made more of an impact than, than Doc, That's you true. know? Yeah, like, Daisy's, at least Daisy, like, like, pretty dynamic. As I'm, as you've probably noticed, um, this movie fails the Bechdel test hard. Like, it is <laughs> nowhere close. <laughs> <laughs> it is um it, it is the dude's rock of all dude's rock movies <laughs> it is just the fellas uh in roadhouse um anyway um so <laughs> wesley has blown up a building in order to <laughs> regain control of his town um and then uh we have uh Wesley and, like, his crew, like, show up to the Double Deuce. Oh, my God. For whatever reason. Just to, like, taunt them, I guess, right? This whole scene was um, so weird. It was... Okay, so they have the, like, abused blonde... Because I don't think... If she's named, like, it... I... I have no... <laughs> I feel bad that we have to call her that, but, like, that's her only character trait, is that, like, bad things happen to her. Um, and... Uh, she, like, begins stripping for, like, what feels like Dalton specifically, but it's, like, a room full of people as, like, Wesley and his goons, like, look on and, like, with emotions that I can't identify. Dalton is just, like, kind of a dick to her. Like, she's clearly, like, in distress, right? Like, she, she is, help. like... Like, he's seen that, like, she is being abused. Like, nothing she, like, is doing screams, like, this is, like, a healthy person in, like, a good situation. And, like, our hero is, like, get a hold of yourself. <laughs> like, put some clothes on. I mean, I think, like, the specific line is even when he, like, gets her off the stage and brings her back to Wesley. He even says, like, if you're gonna have a pet, keep it on a leash. Yeah, oh he calls her, like, God. a pet. It oh. is, like... Oh, it's yeah, so the, the whole thing with this scene, though, like, I, you know, now that I'm kind of thinking about it more outside of just like being almost shocked while I was watching the movie and seeing this is it feels like what Wesley is trying to do is 
I guess, almost get Dalton to fall for another woman in a way so that Wesley has a chance to get Elizabeth back. Because he's uh, almost yeah. like, he kind of sits there with like a weird smile on his face, like he's enjoying it. I mean, he might be into that kind of stuff. He might like somebody fucking his wife. Um, <laughs> yeah, like it seems like that might be the case. I don't know. He's like, he definitely is like enjoying the fact that like, you know, it looks like Dalton can't keep her eyes, his eyes off of her. But really Dalton's just trying to, I guess in a way, do his job and get her off the stage. <laughs> he's he's bouncing, dude. <laughs> exactly. You know, he's a... Uh... Mm. It's yeah, really, it's, uh, I, I like to think about the, the sexuality of a movie on a scale of how uncomfortable it is to watch with other people with like the, the highest possible score on this scale being, I only kind of want to die if I watch this movie with my parents. Cause let's be honest, <laughs> like any movie that has more sexual tension than frozen Two, like you, you don't want to watch that with, you know, your parents, especially, um, and this movie Really, this is like the earlier scene with Dalton and Elizabeth and this scene right here and some of the other stuff. I'm like, this is like a, I have to apologize for suggesting that we watch this movie would be how I feel about it. <laughs> like if I if I it, watched this movie with a woman, I would have to be like, I'm I'm sorry, like six different times. Be like, I shouldn't know. I shouldn't have suggested like, that we watch this movie. This is terrible. None of this is representative of me or how I feel. Uh, can we please just forget about this and watch Frozen 2? Remember when we were all like, oh, we like this movie at the beginning. Like, <laughs> do we still like this movie? How do we... It's a good question. Okay. I don't know. I think I still do, but not because of this <laughs> scene. <laughs> we'll come back to that at the end. This scene didn't help. Uh, not at all. Um, anyway. Uh, so here, um, the uh, like lead the goon of uh like wesley is really mad about uh like the stripper woman stripping uh and i don't like are they in a relationship it's really hard to tell anyway he starts fighting people with a pool cue as a bow staff and it's sick (laughs) (laughs) he's a a denim ninja yeah like it is the i think my favorite like bar fight in the movie right that's a really good one yeah um it's like the net he is like the best yeah, he's the best, like, bar fighter, I guess. I don't know. Um, and, like, it ends in kind of a draw. Like, no one, like, he beats, like, uh, the old guy. He, he, he beats Lebowski Cowboy, but, uh, like, Dalton, like, interferes and, like, stops him. And then they kind of, like, back off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, <laughs> also a note, maybe the only problem with this fight scene is that they, uh, like, dubbed in like the pool cue sounds right oh yeah you know, it's like, very added, it's very comic book and like it it like this is like the only time it's like noticeable in the movie where like the impact sounds sound terrible like <laughs> it was like actually very distract like it, it was like kind of funny because like i mean he's fighting people with a pool cue bow staff um, <laughs> but like the sounds they were using like it was like an afterthought it's like they had the scene and they realized that like pool cues like like i don't like what do they sound like when you hit a man with a pool cue like they didn't know so they guessed and they guessed wrong uh wait how do you know what it sounds like when you hit a man with a pool cue not like this (laughs) i guarantee you it doesn't sound like this so anyway next we have the monster monster truck scene right oh no first we have 
them like plotting to do something about Wesley. Like people want to start like they're pressing charges. Like, sorry, what was that? I said they're going to strike. Yeah, they're like, they're going to strike or they're going to like try to like find a way. Because like they know he burned down a building. Like they could catch this guy maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, even though he like, he has like the police in his like back pocket or whatever. Um then somehow, like, Wesley finds out that, like, members of the town are, uh, like, plotting against them. So his reaction to this to resolve the situation is to go to the uh, car dealership. One of the guys, the guy who owns the car dealership was uh, plotting his downfall, right? Uh, so he has one of his goons drive a monster truck through his car dealership. <laughs> While the town stands around and, like, cheers them on. Yeah, they love it. Everyone. (laughs) It's a baller move, honestly. Like, I don't know. Like, I was kind of on his side for this scene. I was like, you know what? He's kind of a cool guy. (laughs) (laughs) It was... Apparently, I looked up on Wikipedia. uh, This scene cost, like, half a million dollars to film. (laughs) Just, like, (laughs) a staggering amount of the movie's budget went to just this scene. Um, cause they had like, I think the monster truck was like built specifically for the movie. Uh, and like, plus the cars yeah. that they destroyed but, and yeah. the building they destroy. As I'm sure you've noticed, we've come a long way from bar fights, right? <laughs> like people have knives strapped to boots and they have pool cues they're fighting. They're blowing up buildings and driving monster trucks through them. Like things have changed a lot from the beginning of the film. Do you think uh, that one of those people that collects vehicles from movies, like how uh, you know we've all we've all been to the Chick Fil A museum where Truett Cathy used to have like the original Batmobile or something? Do you think somebody has the monster truck from Roadhouse? Oh, I bet. I want to meet I the person so. that bought the monster truck from Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Way cooler. Yeah. The uh, yeah with with all of these scenes, they're like they keep stacking on top of each other. Where are the cops in this city? Like everybody says, like well, Wesley has the cops in his pocket, but like so now he's obviously burned down a building. He's fired a gun in a crowded bar. There are constant bar fights that usually result in cops anyway, and now he has publicly driven a monster truck through a car dealership in broad daylight, and we have yet to even see a police car. I guess we can assume they show up, like, after the fact. Because, I mean, that's, like, that's pretty realistic, I feel like, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like I don't know anyone who yeah. has, like, met a cop who's, like, interfered in time to, like, stop anything. You know, like, it's pretty much, it's like, oh, they show up after and, like, I guess we'll write it down. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, again, yeah, like, this movie, much like The Great Gatsby, is about how there are no consequences for rich people. Right? True. Daisy runs somebody um, over in the cart nothing happens. Unless the whole drives town a monster truck to a car dealership and nothing happens. <laughs> That's true. They, okay, you make a compelling point. There are consequences <laughs> in the end. Never there mind. are, in fact. Yeah. Pretty dire consequences. <laughs> um, but. No legal anyway, okay, consequences. So we have destroyed our second building with a monster truck. And then. Uh, it's kind of a step down next. Uh, they blow up the farmhouse again. It's just another blowing up a building mm-hmm. thing. They've done it before, but uh, at least it's like for a character that I'm, I'm kind of more attached to. I liked the like weird farmer guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, uh, 
uh, he's like out in like his like long john, just like stumbling out of this like flaming building. I did. Um, I appreciate how they synced that explosion too with like one of the only actual observant lines in the entire movie, which is Elizabeth screaming. So Dalton says that he needs to save the people of the town from Wesley, and then Elizabeth says, "Who's going to save them from you?" And then the building explodes, and it's awesome. Uh, that was yeah. That, that was actually. That, as like, I said earlier, like that, you know, terrible things keep happening to people around Dalton, and uh, there's an obvious common denominator. And Elizabeth is the only person who has observed it, but she will, of course, be with him in the end of the movie because, you know, of course. We, well, the we, message we in the movie is that uh, Doc is wrong and uh, <laughs> Dalton is right, and you should, like everything he did was correct. Uh, but now, right before that line, though, there's one of the most contradictory lines in the movie. And at the very start, when Dalton's at the doctor's office and she's stitching him up and she asks, like, do you ever win a fight? And he says, nobody wins a fight. But then just before she says that, he's like, there's only one thing I'm good at. I never lose. <laughs> completely contradicting never his whole mantra that he's like said during the movie also this is when you finally find out why dalton only has one liners because when he when patrick swayze goes on that like long monologue his voice sounds i guess it almost sounds like higher pitch than i have expected it to be this entire film and he just sounds like he's throwing a temper tantrum he's falling yeah, back he's... into his dirty dancing character <laughs> <laughs> it's like I feel like it, it, it kind of fits because, like, his whole thing is being, like, like emotionally unavailable, like, tough guy. And he's, like, so he's, like, trying to sound smart. Like, nobody, like, wins a fight. Being like, oh, but I never lose, though. Like, I'm, I'm like, really strong. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever seen an 80s action movie like this where the good guy actually had a, like, a good monologue where he made a compelling point or spoke well but if i did i almost feel like it would be more jarring because it just yeah, does it like, doesn't fit the characters yeah so the farmhouse has been blown up and then we see who did it which is like the lead it's a uh, pool cue most staff guy jimmy uh, blo- blown it up is his name jimmy. Is jimmy yes his name yes. is jimmy <laughs> okay <laughs> the, <laughs> the boss jimmy uh he uh <laughs> like so he's on like a motorcycle and Dalton through his rage uh outruns the motorcycle. <laughs> and like he follows those angles like he clearly played football in high school like he knows how to catch mm-hmm. like a rudder, you know. Uh and tackles Jimmy off of the motorcycle uh and then they have like their final showdown by like the riverbank. Um and uh <laughs> this is where we get are a line that I didn't know was from this movie. Um, and uh, I am embarrassed saying it, but I'm going to say it now. <laughs> I am sorry. Uh, Jimmy has him in like a headlock and uh, yells into his ear, I used to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> Which, like, I've heard before. Not in person, but, like, you, like, I feel like it's entered, like, the greater culture, right? Like, that is a quote that people say, maybe not knowing that it's from Roadhouse. 
I, but yeah, as far I, as I can tell, it is from Roadhouse. I had definitely heard this before and did not know it was from Roadhouse. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a good like it's a real mask off moment too with like that self hating homoeroticism of the movie. And I, I know I'm the only one who keeps bringing this up. I swear, it's, <laughs> I'm right. Trust me. I mean, it's but, a big part of the movie. Like the uh, yeah, like it, it, it's it's you know. It's a thing that I think is built into a lot of these, like, 80s action comedies with, like, the worship of the Mr. Universe male figure, right? Yeah. Uh, but, like, you know, they have to they have to suppress it with their monster trucks and their weird, uncomfortable strip scenes. Yeah. But in this and moment, like, it's the... just like, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, the, like, main bad guy minion, he's gay, and now Patrick Swayze <laughs> is going to kill him. Yeah, the bad guy is just, what if Dalton was gay and, like, made him evil or something? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yeah, that's the observation of the movie here. If you have sex, something bad happens to someone, and if you're gay, it'll be you. Yeah, (laughs) that's, yeah, that pretty much nails it. Um, And the bad thing that happens to him is uh, perhaps the most spectacular thing that happens in the movie um, where we get uh, Dalton's on the ropes, right? Like, uh, he's honestly, like, losing the fight, and then he, like, gains a bit of advantage. And then he puts his hand into sort of a claw and rips Jimmy's throat out <laughs> with his bare hand. It was like, almost the, like, the from uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, the, like, hand that the priest makes when he's trying to pull somebody's heart out still beating. Yeah. And he just snatches his jugular right out of his neck. Yeah, or it's, like, very much like the Kill Bill eye pluck, you know? Oh, yes. Yep, that's that's what it is. Yeah, it's... uh, I didn't see this coming. They even hint at it in the movie. I didn't think the movie would go there. God, the, the escalation was so surprising, but it worked so well. Yeah, like, it was believable. Like, with every, like, they sort of, like, the movie is constantly changing your expectations. And, like, after you see, like, a monster truck drive through a building, it's like, you know what, maybe all bets are off. Like, you kind of don't know where you stand. And they rip some man's throat out, and it, it just... It nails it, you know. It's it's a bit of a hail mary, but like, and you you can see Elizabeth yeah. run up too, and she's disgusted with it. It's like this great moment of trying to like confront the horrible, brutal reality of this violence, and then they just never bring it up again. It's fine. Yeah, it's actually like kind of a I guess a criticism like right after the throat rip scene is like kind of how they handled that for me because mm-hmm. like the uh they try to make it like kind of like emotional with like doc being like i can't believe like i just saw like the man i love do this right mm-hmm. which like yeah in real life that'd be horrifying but um the moment's too cool like yeah. i was like you know i'm watching this i'm like yes more of that that was awesome and then the movie's like oh no it's bad <laughs> yeah there's it but the way they handle that whole scene too is just like you almost think that like all right elizabeth's gonna come up here be horrified and maybe like confront dalton about it or show some amount of emotion but you get like a brief second of her being shocked and then she just doesn't say anything and runs off into the darkness alone just gone (laughs) they're not a couple who uh like communicates about anything (laughs) 
Uh, it's it's one uh, of those she things. tried once and then he ripped a man's throat out ten minutes later. So. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I really I would have respected the movie more if she had left in the end, right? If there had been like yeah. actual consequences to his violent habits and it pushing people away. But of course, we can't do that because it's the you know eighties. It's and we, have, we haven't gotten to that <laughs> yeah. point in uh, action filmmaking yet, but... Ugh. Yeah, we needed, like, a Princess Mononoke moment where they're like, you know what, this probably ain't gonna work out. We'll be friends. Let's just go our separate ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the other thing, though, that... Like, just another quick comment about that fight that I noticed is... So, the whole time, Jimmy kind of has Dalton on the ropes, and then when Dalton turns the tide in his favor, Jimmy pulls out a gun from, I, I guess, his fanny pack... Um, or no, we actually see him <laughs> yeah, grab okay. it out of his boot, don't we, in this scene? He had the gun boot, yeah. Yeah, he has like a holster in like <laughs> Knife his boot, sock. gun boot. Boots are uh, dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to kill you the old-fashioned way, but I, like, how is shooting somebody the old-fashioned way when you're like already duking it out with your fist? Yeah, I feel like he's actually and, gone more modern with his... <laughs> yeah, and, and if you want to kill Dalton, why didn't you just shoot him in the first place? I don't, yeah, like... I mean, like, clearly they're not afraid to resort to, like, you know, below-the-belt tactics, seeing as they just blew up the house of an old farmer. Yeah, like, I don't know who, where like, has done really nothing wrong. Like, <laughs> it's just the, you know, the code of honor of the bar fight scene. <laughs> it's well, it's like a pretty the common Samurai thing. I, it's a pretty common thing in action movies, I feel like, where, like, the villain and the good guy have this, like, weird, like respect and like honor towards each other but if you're like a side character they don't care you're like subhuman like mm -hmm. they'll like step on you without a second thought and this happens more later on in the movie um when uh dalton ends up like invading wesley's house but we have to get there first um so wesley after <laughs> finding out uh that his uh, head man has had his throat ripped out um decides to uh does he kidnap doc no or... he becomes like two-face and he calls yeah, he calls wesley and you know says like w you know either doc or wade has to die you pick or i'm flipping a coin yeah it's and then he flips the coin the and the dark knight yeah he flips the coin and then hangs up the phone and like he never actually like kidnaps doc and then it looks like he lets wade garrett go because like wade shows up mm -hmm. beat to hell but he's like oh yeah they said i was lucky this makes no sense right yeah like, well, like it, so he they let they it. let wade go and then wade says they just told me i was lucky so now dalton is thinking oh my god they're gonna kill elizabeth he goes to find her and tries to convince her to leave but then he realizes she's safe and he's like wait oh my god wade goes back to the bar and finds Wade br just brutally murdered. Blood everywhere. Knife in the chest into a note, right? Yeah, knife in yeah, the I... chest through a note that says it was tails. Honestly, it's metal as hell. Uh, yeah, that's cool, but they're playing. The same... So they, like, let him go just to kill him again later. Very weird, right? It's very yeah, sadistic. like, they also... And it's not even like Dalton has, like, the realization of, like, oh, well, if Elizabeth's safe, then it has to be Wade. Because when he comes into the bar, he's not, like, sprinting up to Wade's side. He's like, hey, man, wake up. You drink too much already? Oh, that's true. Like, he just yeah, thinks he that he's, really like, yeah, he just thinks he's like, drunk on the bar. And then he turns him over and sees the knife in his chest. So now we have, like, a reason for Dalton to, like, 
go after Wesley, right? Like, what, Dalton was actually ready to, like, leave town, right? He was, mm-hmm. like, going to uh, Wade to be, like, you know, like, you're right, like, you know, forget Doc, I'm just gonna go and, like, leave the town be so people stop getting their houses blown up. Um, and I did just kill a guy, so I, I should probably run away. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, after he finds out that, like, Wade has been killed, then he begins his assault on, uh, like, Wesley's house, right? Uh, With, like, honestly, like, a pretty cool, like, clever way of, like, getting in when he, like, send, like, he sends his, uh, like, nice Mercedes in with, like, uh, he, like, stabs a knife through the accelerator to, like, keep it going so they, like, think that he's in it. Yeah, that was cool. Goons, as hell. Like shoot at it, and it of course like explodes because it's a car in an action movie, right? Yep. It's it's also a testament though to Dalton's inhuman speed again because he's able to like start the Mercedes way out on the other side of that field, and then while they're distracted with a full speed like pedal down Mercedes, get inside the compound. They should have showed him so, just, like, sprinting. <laughs> he outruns the full-speed Mercedes to get inside. He's so fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, um... Yeah, so Dalton is inside, and uh, here's where uh, he just starts killing people without any real, like, thought to it, right? I mean, like... We're kind of past self-defense at this point. You know, he's, like, breaking into this home and, like, killing people. Like, he, like, shoots someone with a shotgun, I'm pretty sure. Like, throws a knife at a guy. Yeah, he, like, he stabs the guy who, like, so the guy who stabbed Wade, where I guess we're supposed to assume, like, grabs the knife out of the accelerator, which was the knife that was in Wade's chest, and Mm -hmm. puts it in his, like, hip, in his, like, little hip holster, so now we're like, oh, well, this guy's the bastard that killed Wade. So we want him to get like his, you know, his comeuppance. And I guess somehow Dalton knows this because when Dalton kills him, he's like tails again. And I don't really know how Dalton knows like that is the guy. I guess he recognized the knife. Maybe did he yeah, see like just well no because he oh, stuck I mean, like, the he... knife through the the gas pedal of the Mercedes. Yeah, I mean, like, he knows the knife, but, like, how does he, how is he supposed to, like, get the knife from the guy mid-combat and turn and stab him and, like, know in that short two-second span, like, you're the guy who killed Wade? Unless, like, I guess he could have seen, like, the handle of the knife specifically. Well, no, no so the knife that they killed college, Wade like with is knows. the knife that he stuck through the gas pedal of the Mercedes. Yeah, that knife then is the, not the in henchman... The the henchman grabs the knife yeah, out of the accelerator out. Oh, and that's puts right. it in his, okay. like, he puts it in his little hip holster. I don't know. It, it's a stupid 80s action movie and it doesn't have to explain yeah. itself. I think that's your explanation. <laughs> they, they, wanted as, they wanted as many one-liners in this movie as they could cram into had to get Had to get another one in. Uh, he also he crushes a guy with a polar bear. Yeah. Uh, oh, he doesn't kill him, though. But it's like, because uh, Wesley, because he's a rich guy, uh, likes to hunt endangered animals. <laughs> um and he has like a stuffed polar bear um and he like pushes it on to the most charming of the the goons yeah but um it's always the chubby one 
Yeah, the kind of ditzy, yeah. chubby one. <laughs> he seemed like he was in it for like he, he like like accidentally just ended up helping this guy. He just needed a right. job, man. You know. Yeah, he was just you know he's clocking in. He you, you didn't really want to hurt anybody. Uh, I'm fine with him living yeah. through the movie. You wouldn't blame um, an Amazon warehouse worker for the crimes of Jeff Bezos, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, he just accidentally joined like a terrorist cell. <laughs> 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 Blew up like four buildings. <laughs> he's fine. He's cool. Um, but so then we finally get our showdown with Wesley, um, which like it's like Wesley isn't like a physically intimidating person. Uh, he just like he's just like some like someone's rich uncle. Like he's kind of like small and like i don't know like, like a linen suit yeah like he's not an intimidating guy he just like has a gun like that's his thing right dalton like he and dalton like scuffle a little bit and like dalton finally like gets him on the ropes and is like like brings his hand up and like we know like oh he's about to throw to him again it's gonna be sick right but then uh, Doc shows up, shows up. <laughs> to stop him. Like, out of a dream. Like, I don't know how she knew. Maybe she heard the explosion or something. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I gotta go stop my insane boyfriend from murdering everyone in this house. Um, but uh, she has also infiltrated the mansion. And he's like, you know, like, oh, Dalton, no, don't rip his throat out. <laughs> I don't want you to do that again. And uh, he does stop. Um and of of course, like Wesley, like grabs a gun and is about to shoot Dalton since Dalton hesitated, and then, in uh, the final twist that I was not expecting, uh, everyone in the town shoots him to death, <laughs> like, one at a time. Everyone in the town shows up with like shotguns and rifles. And, like, take their turn shooting Wesley in, like, a sort of firing squad, but everyone has the bullet <laughs> situation. <laughs> like, like they save Dalton's life. They take their town. They literally, I think they say, like, this is our town. <laughs> like, as they're slowly killing him. But it's, like, it's such a, it, it's such, like, an interesting, like, premeditated scene, too. Like, you can tell that they had planned this out because as soon as they shoot him... I think it's like Red goes around and gathers up everybody's guns and goes and hides them before the cops show up. Yeah, like they like were... Just like puts them in the other room, I guess. Yeah, like they had a better plan than Dalton. Like, <laughs> they're the real heroes of the story. Like, uh, they... I don't know, maybe they knew that, like, he'd, like, killed the goons or something. I don't know, but, like, they were ready to, like... They, like, formed a militia to kill <laughs> yeah. this man. <laughs> And, like, got away with it. Like, they all told the cops, like... Like, the cops show up, and it's like, they clearly killed him. <laughs> like, But everybody just stands around and says, like, oh, I didn't see anything. Did you see anything, Red? It's yeah, like, nope. it's like the whole town... Uh, okay, all like the all like the small business owners of the town are like in the, like this dude's house. He's been shot as many times as there are people. Like, it's like very obvious that they killed him, and they're like, we didn't see anything, and the cops are like, "Fair enough." <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, then they, of course they have to close it out with like a nice little comical one-liner because the cops finally turn to the uh, to the henchman who had the polar bear turn pushed over on him, who's like now alive, 
And instead of, you know, letting us imply that he knows that if he says anything that, well, then the town, these other members of the town are going to turn on him. They have to show the like, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil monkeys on the screen. (laughs) So that we we are sure that he knows what's going on. Then he just says, oh, a polar bear fell on me. And everybody kind (laughs) of chuckles to themselves as it fades out after there's just a dead guy on the floor and like six (laughs) other dead guys in the house. He is very graphically dead, too. Like, yeah. this man's he's chest has been one... just ripped apart. He's the only one that the shotgun seemed to actually do damage to. Because, like, earlier in the house fight, the old bartender's, like, up on a balcony shooting down at Dalton, who, like, grabs a man to use as a human shield. And then when you see that guy, there's just, like, a circular blood stain on his back. But, like, when that first shot hits Wesley, it, like, takes a chunk of his shoulder out. It's graphic. <laughs> Yeah, the first guy was using, like, bird shot or something. It's <laughs> like, the wrong shell. Red's got his deer slugs. Yeah, he un- he just unlocked slugs. He's running, like, <laughs> the choke, you know. Uh, he needs a silencer if he wants to, like, I feel like that would have really, like, helped with, like, the, like, infiltrating the house. But, like, Dalton took care of it, so, you know. This is why we need shipment 24-7 to be a full-time playlist. That's true. He could He didn't have the chance to grind to the monolithic suppressor, like, <laughs> It's all Infinity War. It's fun. That's pretty much the movie, right? Like they. Well, like... we we fade out to like Dalton and Doc, you know, happily together, naked in a lake. Yeah, like skinny dipping, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The last shot is them like, you know, going in for the kiss and then sinking underwater. Which I don't know what that's supposed to be implying, but it's unsanitary. Can't whatever imagine. it is. <laughs> <laughs> All kinds of disease. Because it is like a bog. Yeah, it's like very still water. There's a lot of algae. It's It looks like it's the body of water between like Wesley's house and the barn. It is, yeah. Which the one with is the like dead full. guy floating in. Yeah, there's a dead guy in there. It's full of the runoff from, you know, a horse enclosure. There is a human esophagus in here somewhere. <laughs> esophagus and just like fertilizer runoff like in this not a good place to be <laughs> gonna um, have some some just incredible yeast infections yeah but oh, and like God. i have to imagine the conversation that dalton and doc had she was like oh i'm sorry i told you not to rip his throat out like that <laughs> you know like i almost got you killed like cause she did right like that's how the movie played out they wrote it in a way where like the like girlfriend like being like no don't like do violence up to this man and uh her hesitation almost got dalton killed (laughs) it's yeah i really i don't know what the moral conclusion of this movie is supposed to be because it feels like what it's telling you is that you should never be the one who starts a fight but you can be the one who finishes it but don't finish it by ripping a man's throat out but it's okay if somebody else shoots that man in the chest (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's like a very this is uh essentially florida stand your ground law has written yes that's pretty much how it works you you can be the catalyst of the murder just don't be the murderer yeah if someone steps on your toe you can legally shoot them if they're in your place of business or <laughs> in your yeah but like that's the thing is florida stand your ground law implies that if you're like in your home and somebody's in it you can kill them not if you're in somebody else's home you can kill them 
Unless the whole town, unless four people in the town (laughs) agree. Yes. Again, that's where the revolutionary politics come into play. Finally, the uprising has reached its natural conclusion, which is the violent and brutal murder of the ruling class. So, you listeners might have noticed that uh, we've been trying to sort of ascribe a lot of different (laughs) ideologies or messages to this movie. And uh, I think a big reason I enjoy it so much is that uh, I don't think that the creators were trying to do anything smart with this film at all. Like, it is great, and I love, like, reading stuff into movies, you know? Like, what did they end up saying on accident? Mm -hmm. Um, But what I think, like, I enjoy so much about this movie is, like, the how sort of like dumb it is and like a lot of the good like or like fun parts of it are like almost on accident uh but they're not like bad it's not like a so bad it's good thing it's just like the sort of like whole like vibe or setting of the world is like very fully realized like it's yeah uh it's like very well put together but you do have to be able to look past like the uh staggering misogyny going on one Uh, one thing that you know i remember talking about this in my cinema studies class i did take in college i took one which hopefully will help out with this a little makes you the most qualified person here by you're the expert (laughs) i mean i I was on the executive board for a cinema club too so uh no the in the 80s like mainly in the 80s not so much in the 90s but kind of in that transition period the the cost of entertainment like going to a movie was relatively high compared to your income and so a lot of these movies primarily especially action ones they wanted to cram just a little bit of everything in them so that when you went to these movies you saw you know pretty women you saw extremely wealthy people and you saw a lot of action mm-hmm. whether it's you know fights sex car chases anything like that and you know, this is a prime example of that kind of movie. I mean, they they do everything they can to show how over the top the wealth is. Like in the first scene in the New York bar, someone throws a credit card down and you can hear them explicitly say, that's some gold plastic right there. And like you see a guy driving a Ferrari and then you have all of the pretty women throughout the entire movie just with bar fights, what, like every 15 minutes? Yeah, pretty regularly <laughs> placed, yeah. It's a... Uh... That makes it, yeah, like, they really did try to, like, squeeze everything in. But they made it all, like, kind of coherent, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. It made sense. The, it made sense in, like, in the way that it all flowed together. But then there are, like, if you take individual scenes and try to look at them in, like, the context of the movie, I like, I find it hard to try to figure out why they're in there. Um, like, my favorite one is the way the very first bar fight starts when... A man in the bar in New York puts an $100 bill down on the table, doesn't say anything. A woman takes out a letter opener and stabs the $100 bill, and then the man kicks her chair over. Oh, no, what he, I think what he's doing, because they're having a conversation about, like, he wants to, like, like, take her home or something. And she's like, like, what do you think I'm worth or something? And he's like, like, about $100 or something. Like, he's insulting her, like, worth as a human being or whatever. Um, that, that makes it and, <laughs> and then he just attacks her <laughs> yeah, and he just so. kicks her chair over 
and just start stabbing pretty much. Uh, yeah. Uh, it it's like ridiculous, you know. Like the world is like so. It's like hyper real, you know. It obviously like it's completely unrealistic, but I think it really works. Like now, although from what I've seen, from like kind of because I like to look up sometimes like how it was received when it came out. Like this movie was nominated for like Razzies and stuff. Like it was not really well received. Because I think at the time, because it was trying to, like, present itself as, like, happening in, like, like, it was released in 1989 uh, and, like, was trying to act like, like, the setting was in 1989, too, I believe, or at least close to it. Yeah. And, like, people living at that time were, like, modern times aren't like this. <laughs> this isn't how <laughs> bars work. <laughs> but, like, now in 2020, it's, like, no, I could believe that, like, small town bars in like the late 80s were like this i don't know i wasn't there i wasn't born yet <laughs> like i'll buy it it's fun you know yeah i feel like this is a movie that like uh well uh certain politics in it have not gotten better with time um the like believability of it has actually like gone up as time has gone on mm-hmm. and like makes it a much smoother watch yeah that for as much as i may have tried to ascribe a message to it which like will said is a pretty futile effort because i don't think there is one because you know i don't really think it's trying to sell you some kind of message i think it's trying to sell you a fantasy of this is what it would be like if you were a bartender in the most like stereotypical biker bar you could think of except there's no actual bikers uh yeah but i guess what now we would think of as a biker bar and in that sense it works very well it's like oh you know what would be really cool if i didn't feel pain uh getting in fights all the time i guess no, it, i don't it accomplishes know what it set out to do and like i think the like it not not having a message like I, what i'm trying to say is like it the directors did not have any like political goal with this oh film, for sure right or like they weren't trying to say anything about like masculinity or like homophobia but that doesn't mean they didn't end up saying things about it right like i think you're right that like there is uh, some very like like the way this movie deals with like masculinity says a lot about the writers and a lot about the everyone involved right yeah all media Um, is a reflection of the times and even if it doesn't intentionally try to say something about that time it's going to anyways because you write what you know and uh, what they knew was violence and misogyny and <laughs> weird, sweaty, repressed homoeroticism. And monster trucks. And monster trucks, of course. Yeah. And Patrick Swayze in high-waisted linen pants. True. And Sam Elliott's pubes. I didn't need to see that. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, that was another scene was where he, like, he just doesn't wear underwear under tight-fitting jeans and... That just seems uncomfortable beyond yeah. all reason. Is there like cool. a is there a uh, a cooler or bouncer reason to not wear underwear under your skinny jeans? Because Patrick Swayze wasn't either, right? Oh yeah, he just like throws them on when Carrie comes over to the apartment. Yeah, he, he just like, like barn he just house. pulls them straight over his bare ass. I'm like that <laughs> that's like how you that, that's like how you know like like <laughs> to like prove your like. A, like a cooler to someone else you have to like take your pants off to like, show, like <laughs> hey, i don't wear i gotta show them yeah. your cooler brand on well it's not on their ass because we saw that uh yeah oh god where is it 
Uh, do we want to talk about any of the the fabulous one-liners that happened throughout this film? Because there there are some golden ones. Yeah. I feel like. Are there any we missed? I know, like y'all took some notes. Uh, um, I mean, one of my like two of my favorite throughout the whole movie is the first time that you see, I guess, like Wesley's uh, stripper girl. Uh, she's like at the bar next to Dalton and she orders a vodka rocks. And then this incredibly drunk man standing next to her leans forward and just says, Hey, vodka rocks. What do you say? We get nipples to nipples and just (laughs) most uncomfortable pickup line. I think I have ever heard. I, yeah, I would struggle to write a a less effective pickup line. And then uh, my other my other favorite one was I think I I think Dalton was talking to Red about something and Red responded to him by saying uh, Does a hobby horse have a wooden dick? Which I have never heard before. <laughs> does it? <laughs> what is a hobby horse? I don't know. A hobby horse is like the the horse that's like the horse head on the wooden pole for like little kids to run around on. Even though I think there are like hobby horse like tournaments for like grown people but that's a different story altogether are they putting dicks on these i don't know i I don't know if like you're referring (laughs) to like the wooden pole as the wooden dick or i don't know i don't like the implications of this Um, it sounds like a terrible children's toy yeah the uh one other thing that or actually no we're on one-liners let's stick with one-liners um any other like golden one-liners y'all picked up through the movie? I don't know if it would. I would call it a one-liner, but it's another one you wrote down uh, when Wade and Dalton and Elizabeth are all at that bar. Elizabeth walks away, and Wade just says, "That gal's got entirely too much brains to have an ass like that." Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it really hammers home just the, like, objectifying of women. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if I said that about one of y'all's girlfriends, you would be very upset. Yes. And yet Dalton is just like, oh yeah, sure, bud. Yeah. We'd have to have episode two of the podcast, like, about the Charlie situation. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that, just speaking of, like, the objectifying of Doc, they also do that in the way that they, like, dress her in certain scenes. In, like, the three scenes where she's being, like, calm, collected, and I guess, like, supposed to be, quote-unquote, smart, is the two hospital scenes, and then the scene where she comes to talk... Actually, no, I don't think that she has... Does she have glasses on when she comes to, like, yell at Dalton up in the barn when the the barn house blows up? I'm trying to remember if she does. I don't think so. I think she's only wearing the glasses at the hospital. When she's in the hospital. Yeah, so, like, when... When she's in the hospital, she always has her hair, like, perfectly braided, and she has glasses on, I guess, to kind of give her that, like, she's actually smart kind of look. Instead of just saying, like, hey, like, it's normal that a, like, a pretty blonde girl can also be smart. It's completely normal. They have to dress her in a very different way to, like, try to get that message across for some reason. It almost felt like they wanted to do the, like, nerd takes off the glasses and lets her hair down and now she's pretty thing, but, like... They just didn't. They didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Really <laughs> maybe had that idea. Some of this does feel like they're kind of like, like they maybe like 
had some idea of where to go and were kind of just like writing the script as they as they went a little mm-hmm. bit you know like i thought the uh like blues singer would maybe be like more involved with stuff but he was just like a pal you know <laughs> he yeah. just like hung out saying uh wasn't that important like the uh the co-worker lady who was into dalton uh, like the very beginning uh like she didn't really have much to do you know there are a lot of characters that like and I don't mind them like introducing characters just for like kind of like flavor or to, like have like kind of like fun little conversations. But there's like kind of a lot of those in this movie, you know. They're going to be important in the next installment of the Roadhouse Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Roadhouse Two. I think there, I there, think there is a second one. I I, I don't think it has Patrick Swayze in it, but I'm pretty sure that there is a second Roadhouse. I could be very wrong, but you know, speaking of the. Uh, the blues singer, um, I can't, I'm blanking on his name right now. It, it makes me very sad the way they did the sound editing in this movie because that man, he's an actual blind Canadian singer who I think passed away a little while ago. But the lip syncing and the fret syncing when they zoom in on him playing guitar throughout the whole movie is atrocious. Oh, it was awful. Yeah, I. And he Ugh. is an actual musician is like the really sad thing about this. That, yeah, I, I wrote the same thing down too, where I was like the, what he is fretting on that guitar absolutely doesn't match the music at all. And I'm like, there's not that many guitar. Well, okay. Actually there are weirdly a lot of guitar close-ups for a movie that didn't try to sync the music with the, what was on film at all. It's like, if you're going to do yeah. all those guitar close-ups, which I'm down with because like the music is a big part of the movie and it plays very well into the vibe. So just like do it. I don't know. Do it right. That's that. That was annoying. Yeah, and then also just going back, Carrie, uh, Carrie Ann, I think was her name, the the brunette, short hair bartender uh-huh. who's kind of into Dalton. Like when they come back after the double deuce has been renovated, she's on stage singing. But they picked like a singer who has like a true bluesy voice to dub over her and the rest of the movie she has kind of that like sort of squeaky southern voice and it just it doesn't line yeah, up at all completely <laughs> different person you can tell yeah. okay so i found roadhouse 2 last call it's, oh my god <laughs> it was made it was made in 2006 oh no uh, this dvd i think it was like on so it might be on netflix or something i don't think it was in theaters uh the description is an undercover DEA agent uses brute force to save his uncle's bar from ruthless drug runners intent on claiming the watering hole as their own. What a terrible, they made him a cop, man. That, like, okay. Oh God. Okay. Roadhouse two is canceled. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's a sensible evolution though. I feel like this style of action movie, as we've gotten more into the, you know, Patriot act era has just turned more and more into like, the good guys are always like the cops or the DEA or something. That's true. It makes sense that like in like 2006, like the kind of like MCU was like spinning up, you know, like having your main character be a cop. It's like totally cool, you know, like mm-hmm. totally normal. Yeah. Um, I mean, not that they weren't doing, you know, like, like how when Die Hard came out, right? Like Die Hard was the 80s too. That's true. Yeah. Like they're around, but like, uh, they definitely became more prevalent post-Patriot Act era. This is our town, and don't you forget it.
I think we've, I don't know where this came from. Um, the deciding whether or not, uh, something is an anime. We've, we've at least as friends reached an agreement, uh, that for something to be considered an anime, it has to be at least 50% embarrassing. I believe that's like the ratio, right? I've heard everywhere from 35 to 50, but uh, we could use 50 as our standard for the the podcast. I think 50 is a good, that's, (laughs) that's, that's my standard at least. Uh, so, uh, is Roadhouse an anime? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I without hesitation. So. And I think yes. it would make a good series. Like oh, we yeah. have all the makings of like there's a lot of similarities between like 80s action and like uh like action like anime, you know? Like like if you think of like like Dragon Ball or like Fist of the North Star type stuff, like very <laughs> there's a lot of like cross-pollination going on there with like 80s action stars right yeah i wrote in Um, my notes that this is essentially just live action dragon ball z right yeah in terms of like like, thematics yeah and i can totally see like the world they built where like bar fights are running rampant and only one man can stop them Mm -hmm. uh you like, could almost build it, a like scott pilgrim versus the world style anime but it's dalton versus like local redneck terrorist cells attacking bars yeah it's like he's the best bar fighter in like the southeast like (laughs) you know he's known for like his you know like like we have like the one of like the you know the big 12 or whatever wait that's a football (laughs) sports reference um like oh like the you know there's seven fighters all across the country who you like have to defeat and we have like the guy who uses pool cues as like a bow staff and he has his secret weapon boot gun. Now <laughs> <Like, laughs> this you know? is just Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, and we have like his, uh, you know, our main character has like his signature move, the throat rip that he just uses every time, but it's cool every time, you know. But he has to be like, he has to be like pushed to the edge to like kind of power up and use it. Uh, oh yeah, just saying like the bones are there for an adaptation. I think we should replace Netflix live adaptations of anime with anime adaptations of 80s action movies. That sounds like it would be I'm, much better. When, I'm all for it, because yeah. I have yet to watch an anime, a live action anime adaptation, and actually enjoy it. <clears throat> yeah, we need, to, we need to watch some of those. Uh, the Death Note Evolution, anybody? Oh, God. <laughs> Please, not the Full Metal Alchemist one. That one makes me so sad. <laughs> one, two, three. All right, well, I think we've been, uh, you know, rambling for a bit. We've covered just about everything at this point. So I think we should wrap up with some recommendations. Numbered rating systems are hard, and again, we are not professional reviewers. I think the easiest way to uh, recommend a movie to someone is to just do it, not to give them a number out of 10. So, with that in mind, uh, Will, would you recommend that people watch Roadhouse? Um, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I think most people should watch Roadhouse. Uh, although, I would not watch it with uh, your parents, obviously. <laughs> as you said. That's a good call. Because uh, this movie... Um, if you're someone who's uh, sensitive to, like, uh, like particularly, uh, like, 
sketchy politics in a movie or like uh, cancelable offenses in a movie, then you probably won't enjoy it. You have to really be able to like look past the like very problematic parts of the movie. But if you can like kind of like if you can deal with that uh, and you just like like kind of like fun like eighties like action movies with a bit of drama, uh, I would say absolutely watch it. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree. I I absolutely recommend Roadhouse. Um, it does have its glaring issues, but when you you know you look at the time it was made and everything, if you're able to look at that and kind of laugh at it in a sense, it adds to the comedy of the movie that they thought that like this was the epitome of cool for a you know a bouncer in a bar. Um, definitely pick who you're going to watch it with carefully, but. By all means, I would absolutely recommend checking it out. I agree. Uh, the movie is just terribly misogynistic, as we have said many times. But uh, let's be honest, 90% of movies are, and 99% of action movies are. Uh, so, you know, with that in mind, Patrick Swayze ripped the guy's throat out, and that was really cool. You should probably watch this movie if you enjoy action movies. If not, though, yeah, don't watch it because there's no, like, redeeming qualities to the drama <laughs> or the, the comedy here. It's really only good if you want to see Patrick Swayze rip a guy's throat out. Well, that should just about wrap it up. Uh, this is our first episode, obviously, so it's going to be a little all over the place. Uh, we will also have some socials set up for this in the future, but we do have personal ones, which we are, of course, going to plug because that is why people make podcasts. So, Will, what uh, what do you got for us? Gotcha. So you can follow me on Twitter at WillPostWords, and uh, I also have a YouTube channel where we do pretty similar things like this. I really excel more in the visual medium. You'll see when you see my beautiful face, so uh, just look up <laughs> Will Johnston, or my uh, YouTube link is just in my Twitter uh, bio. So that's it. Park? Um, yeah, I don't really have a YouTube or anything like that to follow, but I do have a personal instagram for uh, brewing and all things involving craft beer and that is uh, summer hour underscore brewing you can follow along with me home brewing at my job in a brewery there awesome i have a youtube channel that i just started that i have 11 subscribers on because i haven't promoted it at all because i don't think it's good yet but it will be good eventually so you should still subscribe to it it's called page to screen i talk about book to movie and tv adaptations i don't have a url i can give you because uh well i don't have enough subscribers yet but if you search that on youtube you will find me i also have an instagram it's at charlie b dot writes w-r-i-t-e-s where i write uh poetry and other some you know sometimes other stuff too because i have no boundaries and i want to tell strangers on the internet about my feelings Thank you so much for listening to this inaugural episode of Jump Cuts. Obviously, we went very long this time. The goal will be to keep these down under an hour in the future, and we will be releasing new episodes every Thursday, so be sure to leave a like or subscribe or leave a review, whatever your chosen podcast app does. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next Thursday.